It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Well, if you're wondering why this podcast is being released on Tuesday versus last Friday, I got to tell you, we have good excuses. Last week was wild. By the way, welcome to the Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. Go check us out on the web. It's money-guy.com. You can also write the show at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com as well. Okay, now that we've um, kind of done the intro, last week was insane. First of all, you know, two weeks ago, kind of had a little rain falling upon me. I was in kind of in a, a dark mood just because I told you I was feeling like, you know, things were working out there against me, you know, and other things. Plus, my wife had been in a car accident, and um, we had been hit by a deadbeat uninsured person, and we were having to go, you know, go after our own insurance company to get reimbursement, which is kind of a bummer. So I have an update on those type of things. But this past week was kind of crazy too. It was one of those things where I have, you know, I have two children, and one of my daughters was, uh, you know, she'd been under the weather for a few days, and we had talked about going, taking her in the previous Friday to the doctor's office. Called the doctor's office. They said, no, she's just got a stomach bug that's going around right now. Don't bring her in. Um, she'll probably be fine. If you bring her in, chance she'd catch something else. So we, so we didn't bring her in. Well, over the weekend, she stayed pretty sick. And then so Sunday, Sunday night, we decided, hey, let's take her in and um, see if we can um, get that straightened out. And so my wife took her in Monday morning to the doctor's office. And while she was in the doctor's office, actually had a seizure. And um, we don't have any family history of it, that type of activity. So they rushed her up to um, Scottish Rite, which is up in Atlanta. Did through the whole kitchen sink and everything else they could think of at her, you know, doing spinal taps, CAT scans, blood work. God bless, you know, that, that they were, we have something here in Atlanta that they could do all this stuff. And everything's fine. What they found out is that um, they theorized that she has roto, she had rotovirus and one of the, in certain number of of the population, there's a side effect to rotaviruses. You can have seizures. So um, that's where we are. Uh, I apologize that things are slow. So that was the first part of the week that kind of took me off kilt. And then the second part of the week, you know, we got our insurance check from the, from the insurance company for my wife's totaled car. And the thing is, when they send you that insurance check, it is time to return the rental car. Because they, they kind of give you the check and they say, okay, give us back our rental. We are done. And then they kind of clap their hands and you hear them, you know, clearing themselves of the whole situation. So we were sitting there and, you know, and I'm in that fine situation right now where, guess what? It's end of model year. 2010s are disappearing. So there's not a great deal of selection out there. And the 2011s aren't there yet. So there's not exactly a ton of inventory sitting out there in any cars and and Bo can tell you, Bo, you can feel free to, to speak up anytime on this stuff, is that um, I had kind of been com- consumed by, by this car buying experience because you guys know I'm a modified tightwad, meaning that I don't, I'm not a tightwad on everything. I mean, I like gadgets. I like surround sound. I like my iPhones. You know, I always like the latest and greatest of those type of things. But in general, as you know, I like to get typically two to five percent better than everybody else out there i want a better deal than everybody else that's what drives me to be the money guy it's what drives me to do this podcast is that i love sharing with others how you can also save money but there is some fault to to my functional ocd ways is that sometimes i get consumed by by things you know the commercial that came out a few years ago from volkswagen where 
the man, and uh, you know, it shows a family, and the man, he, he comes in, and he's eating breakfast, and he has a small little Volkswagen bug on his head, and it shows, like, the next day he comes in, that Volkswagen's bigger and bigger, and, and that's kind of what was going on with me. Bo, are you glad that I have a new vehicle? I, literally, I'm ecstatic. I am ecstatic, because no offense, but I feel like I've been just kind of alone, you know, I haven't, haven't had my buddy to, to, to talk to me to go over things with because it really has become an all-consuming thing. And not that that's a bad thing, it's just, you know, it's the nature of the beast. I've learned a few things too, and I want to share these because this is the thing you want to probably write this down if you're anywhere near needing to buy a car in the next month, year. I, have, I, I want to sharpen my pencil on kind of the, 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 the skill set I tell you on how to get the best deal because I found a new tool that's incredible. You still want to go out there and go on Edmunds forums and then look up the model car you're interested in to go and, and look at the prices paid from other people throughout the country. And I'm telling you, pay attention throughout the country where these deals are coming from because what you can do, and this is, this is important, is when you find out where people are getting great deals, and I'll tell you, the car we ended up with, um, there was a great deal of them being sold for really cheap prices down in Florida around the Gainesville area. And then there were also some great deals going on in West Virginia. Uh, so that was very important to me, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because once you, you see in these chat forums where these great deals are going, you can employ this new tool that I found. I found out there's a new service out there. I guess it's a new business model, Zag.com. Zag.com is a car buying service that um, you have to be a member of to use. But guess what? Here's how you get access to it is that USAA, Consumer Reports, and American Express all have relationships with Zag.com where they already have pre-negotiated rates with most of the dealers out there. And it's incredible. Um, I was Now, I will tell you, I still beat the Zag quote by about $560. But, I mean, it is... It is the best baseline figure that I could find out there. It shows you all the incentives. It shows you what all the dealers in your area are willing to offer you the car for right there with zero negotiations. Um, it, it was incredible. And I was going through consumerreports.org, and I was really impressed. I mean, it, it was amazing how this saved me. And the reason I'm telling you you need to know the zip code and pay attention to the forums uh, and where people are talking about they're getting these cheap cars out of is that what you do, here, here's, a, here's another tool set, is that you, you find out where those cars are, go Google to find out the zip code for that area, and then when you're in Consumer Reports and you're pricing out the car, it's going to ask you for your zip code to give you that price because that's going to find the dealers in your area and tell you the price. Well, if you type in the zip code for where those cheap cars are coming out, so if it's Gainesville, Florida, or up in West Virginia, you type in those zip codes, and then Consumer Reports, their car buying service, will tell you what the dealers in that area are willing to offer. And there is a variance. And that's actually how I got to the better deal, is that um, I got a, about $560 off of what cars were selling in my area. But up in West Virginia, the same car was selling for about $500 less. So when I contacted the internet sales manager and he quoted me his best rate, I said, yes, but I've got a printout right here from Consumer Reports Car Buying Service where they'll give it to me for this price. You'd be like, okay, I, I think I can at least come off that. And then, you know, we worked. And I think I got a few things thrown in um, after that. But incredible, incredible buying opportunity 
to if you can if you're out there in the market for for a new car this is the type of stuff that's going to make your life easy so i want to give you that update okay next thing extended warranties i'm the type of guy when we buy cars we drive them and um I, you know i know ideal is from if you can really get a car for 10 years that's awesome I don't want to tell you and fib to you and tell you we're going to do 10 years. I'm more of a seven-year driver of cars. We don't quite make it 10 years with a lot of them, um, but seven years I think is, is good for us. So what I'm doing is I am buying the extended warranty and um, service contract. And most people don't know, you don't have to buy this at the dealership at the time of purchase because you, you know you've already got so much stress going on with buying a brand new car. Why do you want to kind of put one more variable? It just makes it harder because you know every little thing you have to research it's just like if you're trading in a car you want to know exactly what your car should get you should get it trade in if you're financing the car you need to know exactly what it's going to cost to in best interest rates to use for financing the car and then of course buying the car you need to know where they are so you've already got so many moving parts if you throw the service contract in there the extended warranty it's one more thing you've got to research. So leave that on the table for after you buy the car. You don't have to, I think most of the manufacturers, as long as you buy that contract within the first 6,000 miles, you get the best prices. And then after 6,000 miles, you still can get a good price. Uh, you can still get a contract, I should say, or a warranty from the manufacturer. It's just that it's not as a, at the preferred rate. So 6,000 is kind of is what I've found out. But let me tell you. Even if you get a great deal at your dealership for the car, and even if they give you a great deal on your trade-in, if you're doing that and a great deal in the financing, does not mean you're going to get a great deal on the service contract because I think they they use the service contracts as another profit-adding you know, division of, of the dealerships. Because I the, the same dealership where I got a great deal on my car was a third more expensive than what I'm actually going to pay for this service contract. Um, they, they wanted $2,400 for the service contract. It truly is only going to cost $1,600. And the reason I know a lot of you, because Consumer Reports tells you, you probably don't want to buy these extended warranties on a lot of the cars out there. But I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you guys, I got a car that's got a lot of gadgets. I mean, I'm a gadget guy, so I've got the Bluetooth streaming. I've got all-wheel drive. You know, we've got navigation there's um everything's you know it's a lot of power functions there's a lot of things that could go wrong with this car very easily and and it's not like you know when if the, something goes wrong with the the led dis display and the navigation that it's going to be a 600 hundred dollar fix i mean it's probably going to be a several thousand dollar fix when these things go wrong the all-wheel all -wheel drive system um that could that could break i mean it's just it, it's an insurance policy let's face it and, and i think once you get to a certain part of your life, if you're saving the, the 15 to 20%, if you've got all the, the other things going on in your life, it's okay if you do certain things just to make your life easier. And that's exactly what I'm doing with this service contract is I know that there's research out there that says you should never buy these things, but I just got, there's too many moving parts in this new vehicle. We're going to drive it for at least seven years. So let's go ahead and get a 84 month, 100,000 mile warranty. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. And um, I'm telling you, an $800 price difference from, from just doing a few phone calls is very important. And I'll tell you, once again, the best place to do the research on that, Edmunds Forums. You can just go out there and look up the service contracts. It'll tell you what people are paying for them. Really an incredible, incredible resource um, to find out. Because I found out the company I'm buying for actually is not making, they're probably making less than $100 on the actual transaction. But because they sell enough of these um, 
Honda gives them back $135 per contract. So they're going with the, the quantity of, of sales versus trying to, to maximize their profit on every transaction. So you can do a little research, and this stuff is very powerful. Now, I also wanted to, I got a great email. This came in last night, so, and I thought the timing was perfect. And Adam probably has no idea how good his timing was, but I got this email last night, and Bo, I've already shared it with Bo, and he immediately, and I didn't even say anything to him, but he goes, Brian, did you see the P.S.? And you'll see why I'm bringing this up. Why are you smiling? It just makes me happy, that's all. <laughs> you sure are quiet today, by the way. Oh, another reason we didn't record Friday, just in case you guys want to know, Bo was in a NyQuil coma. <laughs> <laughs> he had a head cold at the end of last week, so I was I was looking at everything going on with trying to negotiate a car buying, getting back on my feet from you know being at the hospital the first part of the week, and then I come in and Bo... You know, you act, you know, you're kind of, you know, stuffy headed and you couldn't wake up. So <laughs> it, it was just pointing to the signs that let's wait a day or two and actually do a good podcast for everybody. But let's read this email from, from listener Adam. Adam wrote, Brian, I have a question regarding life insurance as it pertains to building wealth. I've seen commercials and advertisements that September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. Bo, did you know that? I did not know that, actually. That's something I learned today. That sounds kind of like Hallmark. You know, they made up all these holidays so that they could sell more cards. It sounds like um, September is Sell More Life Insurance Month. Um, But anyway, that's, that's, that's an editorial comment. That's not part of Adam's email. And I've had a number of life insurance agents sending mails and materials regarding life insurance. Specifically... Permanent life insurance. So I thought this question would be timely. Their reasoning for supporting permanent life insurance is that it accumulates cash value and can be used tax-free in retirement as an income stream. I've had an agent talk to me about variable life insurance policies and how they can be used like a, quote, super Roth IRA because it allows for tax-free income in retirement as well as a death benefit for our kids slash beneficiaries. My wife and I make too much money to contribute to a Roth IRA, so I'm interested as to whether this makes sense or not. I know an insurance company is not a not-for-profit, and there are costs involved, so I'm wondering if this makes sense to pursue a little more in depth or if we should stick to what we've been doing, and that is to buy term and invest the rest, even if it is into a taxable investment account. And then he goes on, he says, I don't think you sell or provide insurance to your clients, so I have a feeling your advice may be towards the invest the rest scenario. Um, However, I know your objective and will give us the facts. Thanks again for a great show, and I look forward to many more podcasts to come. Best Adam. And here's the PS. Y'all ready? I I wish we kind of almost had a a, a drum roll sound bite for you, Bo. P.S. Tell Bo he's doing a great job on the show as well and needs to continue to educate the younger generation on how to successfully build wealth. <sighs> Congratulations, brother. You really are doing a good job. But okay. What Adam has no idea, maybe it's because I was subjected to some marketing campaign I didn't even realize. Um, with it being September, it cracked me up. September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. But anyway, I just upped, I just changed, updated all my own life insurance. And Adam had no way of knowing that, but his timing is perfect because I just got my new policy in the mail yesterday. Got everything signed, um, so now if I if I croak in the next few weeks or in the next few years, the wife is set. Um, but here's the truth of the matter: is that you know I have a brand new baby. Well, she's about to be a year old. I can't believe how fast time moves. But whenever you have a new addition to the family, my thing is always I have been using term insurance. I'm a big fan of life insurance. I don't want you guys to think 
just because I, we are a fee-only firm and I don't sell insurance that I'm, I'm anti-insurance. I'm actually just the opposite because I think that's kind of the, if you're looking at the financial planning triangle of your life, of what you've got to make sure you take care of first, before you get to investing and, and things like that, you've got to look at the base of your financial planning pyramid, and that is really dealing with what happens if you get hit by a bus. And life insurance is right there on the foundation of making sure that you're providing for your family, that you're replacing income. If, I mean, if you passed away, if you've got debts that would we have, you'd have a hard time. Your family would have a hard time paying. If you, if your family is very reliant upon your income, um, you've got to take care of those things. And I do use term insurance, and I and I, I have a good bit of term insurance. Well. Um, one of my good friends, and he's a client, and uh, you know, and I'll go and give you his website. He has no idea I'm doing this, so I think it's great whenever I can help somebody who has no idea that I'm going to do it for him. And you've heard me talk about this in the past few years. Is there's MichaelGassisAgency.com. Is that correct, Bo? Did I give the right yep. uh, website? But MichaelGassis, and that's G-A-S-S-E-S, Agency.com. You know, Mike has a, a website that you just go on the bottom right and it lets you just go ahead and run insurance quotes right there from his website. I will tell you one thing we found from talking about this in the past. If you live in New York, New York's a weird state, so it's not going to work for you guys, unfortunately. You've got to buy from a local agent, but I think Mike is everywhere else, but it's just New York has some crazy laws that, that keep people from out of state selling insurance in, in the state of New York. But anyhow, Mike hooked me up. Um, I was in there just getting him to run some quotes for me. He's a, he's a broker, so he can run quotes from about any insurance agent, insurance company out there. And I said, I need to, you know, I have a brand new daughter. Um, I bought plenty of life insurance when my first daughter was born, but that was seven years ago. I need to reset my life insurance because I had 20-year term. And now, seven years later, I only had 13 years left on my term. If, if you know, I passed away in the next, you know, say 14 years, and that insurance went away after 13 years, my youngest daughter would kind of be stuck because she would still be in the house, would not have reached college yet. And, um, you know, I just want to make sure my wife is taken care of as well, you know, because I, I think even if you, you take on that she could remarry, go back to work or whatever, there's still going to be a period of recovery that, that you've got to cover for. So I think a good rule of thumb that you hear all the time is at least 10 times your income. So if you take your income, multiply it by 10, that's probably a good baseline of insurance. And then before I get back on point of talking about the term versus permanent, I'd also tell you if you have a spouse or, or somebody that you're living with that's raising your children with you and they don't have income, you still probably want to have a little bit of insurance on them because even if you're the primary income winner, um, if that's if that spouse passed away, you're probably not going to be the best, you know, working individual out there. You're probably going to need to take a few months off to find you, you know, to get straight with yourself. So that's why, even though my wife, um, her primary job is the harder job in our relationship of raising our children, um, I do have about. I think I, I think I have three fifty on her because I have a hundred thousand through the ASCPA and then I have another two hundred fifty thousand dollar policy. But we do have three fifty, and that's practically free, as as cheap as is for a, a wife that runs and is super healthy. But for myself, I was pricing out twenty year term again um, because I wanted to reset that term for my my brand new daughter. I felt like 20 years would have been perfect because that gets her pretty close to being out of college. It puts her at 21 years of age. Well, so Mike ran that for me, and I said, just for giggles, run me a 30-year quote, too. I want to see what 30 years of insurance, because that puts me at close to 70 years of age. 
And guys, if I don't, if it's 70 years of age, I hopefully will have complete financial independence at that age. All the kids will be out of the house if everything's working right. So that should be a good time for all insurance to drop off. Now, let me, let me back up and tell you, that's what the whole purpose of insurance is. When this person talks about, when Adam talks about um, this agent, when I say that some person, I'm talking about the agent says that uh, a variable life insurance policy can be like a super Roth IRA. Did you like the, the super Roth IRA? I did like that. Um, the super Roth IRA, it cracks me up because there's a huge difference. Roth IRAs are completely tax-free as long as you know you wait the, the, the period of time um, that, that you invest the money and you also don't pull the money out until after you're 59 and a half. You get to use that money for whatever you want. You know, you, you invest $2,000 and that $2,000 is worth ten. That eight grand is yours to do as you see fit. Um, no strings. It's yours. Life insurance, and I know what these guys are talking about. They're talking about doing a loan on the policy is what they're doing because a loan from a life insurance, a permanent life insurance policy is tax-free, but it's, it's, it's a loan. And guess what happens when you take out any type of loan? There's usually terms to a loan. There's strings. There's things that you have to do, and things can go wrong. Because here's what happens if you have a permanent life insurance policy with cash value. It's first of all, anything you take out in loan immediately reduces the death benefit. So if you have a $100,000 life insurance policy, and say you've built up cash value to $80,000. I'm making up crazy numbers. These are not. But say you, pulled it up, you, you built it up to $80,000 of life insurance, a cash value, I should say. But it's $100,000 face amount. And you pull out thirty grand. When you pass away... Your kids don't get $100,000. They're going to get $70,000 is, is what they're going to do. Now, the numbers I just gave you, because it's called modified endowment contracts, you're, if you had $70,000 of cash value, you'd probably have you know three, four, I don't know, you know half a million dollar coverage. But um, I'm just trying to make a point is that whatever you pull out in a loan will lower your death benefit. So that's one string. So what happens, let's, let's play this, this scenario on out. You have a permanent life insurance policy, and permanent means that it's supposed to be there until the day you die. And you say you take a loan, and you give to be where you see great-grandchildren. You get to be in your 80s. What happens if the cost of that insurance gets to be more than what you have in cash value? And that can happen. It's called a policy blowing up. If you don't have enough cash value in there to cover the premiums, the cost of the actual you know, covering the cost of the insurance, you could have a huge taxable consequence. Because guess what? You either have to come out of pocket to pay the extra money for the policy, because if you drain all the cash value out and there's not enough money in there, cash value earning interest, and then paying the cost of the insurance, you either have to come out of pocket to, to pay that additional cost of insurance, or you're going to have to let the policy blow up and have a huge taxable consequence. So there are strings. So when I see the word super Roth IRA... It doesn't work, really. Plus, I always go back to when you're talking about insurance as an investment product. What do you think insurance companies are doing with the money? They're going into diversified portfolios. It's just there's a few more hands in your back pocket paying an insurance agent for commissions. And you know what insurance agents, they, they, what they make. But what does Mike tell us? I mean, and we're doing this off the cuff, but isn't it? don't you get pretty much the... I mean, the face amount. I mean, the the first year premium is almost yours. It's almost like ninety to ninety five percent of that first year premium. So you think about that. If you you know, it's one thing when you invest in a, a mutual fund that's got commissions on it, and you pay five percent to you know commission to a guy. 
you know, you got to make back, you know, money to, to make back that 5%. But think about that. If you're doing this as an investment and they pay a commission of 90 to 95% of the first year premium, what do you have to do? What do you have to, what type of return do you have to make to make that back? And that's why they usually have huge periods of time that they, you know, you surrender periods and other things. If you try to go put your money into it and then pull it out within five to seven years, you probably go take a bath. So that, that, and I'm not against insurance. I mean, I just told you I did a 30 year policy and this is the thing. Let me get back to that point. I couldn't believe how cheap a 30 year policy was. And I'll tell you, I'm one of these guys that now I exercise now and I've exercised really for the last five years Bo, don't look. Walking is exercising. (laughs) Just because I'm not in there throwing up 350 pounds, you know, on the bench press, that does not mean I'm not exercising. Tennis and walking is exercising. And golf on Sundays is exercising. But anyhow, quit, meathead. But anyway, um, it is I've been exercising. But I will tell you, back 10 years ago, back in early part 2000, you know, I had lost my father. And I'm already nervous about life insurance because I lost my father at an early age. He was 55. That my weight kind of ballooned up. I got up to about 227, 228, somewhere in that age. Well, yeah, wow. You don't have to. You don't have to mouth that. You, it was a wow. Um, and I, my my carrying weight is about 200 pounds. So I, I don't know. You know. And I talked to somebody in the medical community. They say when you're under a lot of stress because I just changed a job. My father had passed away. Um, there was a lot of things going on in my life at that time that supposedly when your body deals with stress, so one of the side effects is it starts storing fat. So I, I think some of it was probably really was from some of the stress going on in my life, but my triglyceride levels went through the roof. Um, my liver enzymes went up and, you know, and this stuff scares you. And so I was always nervous that now I was going to mess up my medical files are going to be messed up forever. So when um, I quoted this insurance, I told Mike, I said, Mike, I said, we need to call the underwriters at some of the big insurance companies that came up in these 30-year quotes, and let's find out who is not going to beat me up just in case my triglyceride levels come in a little above average. So he called the underwriter and found out that um, Mutual of Omaha was going to be a, a good ca- good company for us to look at. That was one of the better quotes that came back on the 30-year, and, it, you know, I Went and got the blood work done. You know, they took all the, the specimens from me, and it got issued at Preferred, just like we had tried. It, it was great. So, I mean, I just want to tell you guys, insurance is very important. Go ahead. I see you wanting to say something. Well, I was just going to throw that. You made a great point about, and this this doesn't necessarily have to do with picking insurance, but it is always kind of a good idea to have an agent who, who can be there for you. you know, in, in today's technology age, there are a lot of services where you can do everything online and you yep. never actually talk to a human being. But sometimes there is a benefit to actually have an agent for you who can, one, go to bat if there's ever an issue, but two, can help you kind of uh, you know, iron through some of those things, like calling the underwriters and that kind of thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And that's why you, I mean, if, uh, let's face it, if you're a smoker or you do to, you know, to some type of tobacco product, there's obviously different insurance companies are going to treat you better than others and it's the same thing if you're on high blood pressure medication cholesterol medication you need to probably before you just do the cheapest price on the insurance rates you're finding out you probably want to talk to somebody who can deal with some underwriters um, that's going to help you get the best product for what you need so um, i have to be careful i don't want everybody thinking we're selling out there for mike because we don't get anything from this except for he might say god guys i, I just got a call from you know, somebody who's in the state of Wisconsin, who's a money guy <laughs> listener. What did you guys do to me? I, I do love that because it, it kind of makes me smile um, when you guys are, you know, from, from the money guy family do something like that. But we get nothing from Mike, and, and he's a good guy. He does good work for us, so I felt like I'd throw him a, 
a plug out there. He has no idea, and I'm hoping you guys will surprise him by um, going out and checking out his site and, and looking at some free quotes. Do you have anything? I mean, did I cover the insurance enough? Because I, I read that email, and I want to make sure. I don't want to sound like we're beating up on the permanent insurance guys, but I don't like it when a product is sold that I don't think is as billed, really. And, and I'll throw in one thing, and this is, you know, you know more than this because obviously you've been doing this for a lot longer than I have, and this is a very textbook thing that we learned um, you know, when I was in the program studying financial planning, but what, what we found was is the times when permanent insurance really made sense was one, after you've maxed out every other opportunity available to you, meaning every single qualified plan, everywhere else you can put money, and then you also needed it for estate tax purposes. So we're not trying to say that permanent life insurance never makes sense in any situation for anyone, because there probably are some situations where, where you do need it. But, and Adam sounds like he makes more money than obviously to do the the Roth. So Adam, I also give you the advice: go ahead and start lobbying your employer to offer a Roth 401k or a Roth 403b at your place of work because they have zero income limitations. So you can make a million dollars a year and still do the Roth options um, to to really put that money away if if you really want to get that tax free growth in there. But Remember, and the reason I think a big number for me on this 30 year is that I think this is the last life insurance I'll have to do. Because remember, life insurance is to replace income and, and other resources that you need in case something happens to you. And my plan is, so that's not going to be a forever need because I really am counting on financial independence hopefully well before that 30 year period. But it's, it's just in case something medical pops up between now and 30 years, I'm covered. You know, I've still got this policy that's locked in until I'm, you know, about to be close to 70 years of age, which is unbelievable. Um, I still feel like I'm 17, but somehow my, my numbers keep going up every year. But um, it, it's one of those things where replacing income is really the primary thing. Paying off debts, you know, you want to add up your mortgage. You know, you want to go do some type of analysis to make sure you got the kids covered for college. Because what you don't, my biggest fear is something happening to me and every goal and dream I've dreamed of for my family not being fulfilled just because I couldn't make it health-wise um, or an accident, you know, takes me out. And that, that's one of the things I actually, and I know it's, you know, insurance is not free, but man, does it make me sleep better knowing that everybody is taken care of. I mean, it really does. I, I don't know why that is. I think it's the same feeling you get. It is for me, at least, when you give a great gift to somebody at, a, at an anniversary or Christmas or on their birthday and it's you know you feel like you've taken care of them. That's the way I feel with my family. So I would encourage you to to you know definitely if you have children, if you know you have a spouse and y'all have you know debt and other things, make sure you have wills, but also make sure you have some life insurance. Term insurance is too cheap. You would not believe how cheap term insurance is. I'm amazed when I find somebody who does have a permanent policy and I find out they're paying two thousand dollars a year for you know, a $100,000 death benefit, uh, you know, and, and I find out, I was like, do you realize you have $2 million death benefit for, you know, $3 million, depending upon your health and age? You know, there's no telling what you could get off that. I mean, we had a client that recently did a $5 million term policy. He's an executive, and wasn't it less than $5,000? Oh, yeah. It was like, it was just a little, just a little I mean, over four. Somebody who's making, you know, six, seven figures a year, I mean, to have, to replace that much income is tremendous. Um, and believe me, I mean, I, I know a few years ago when it, when I did that twenty year term, I did a five hundred. I had several five hundred thousand dollar policies, and I think they were less than twenty five dollars a month. 
I mean, it, you see, you can get a lot of coverage for, for pretty cheap. So, so go check it out. I think my wife's policy, I'm doing this off memory, so I could be off. So if you're an insurance guy and you hear this and you go, there's no way. But my wife's in her mid-30s. She's going to love that I'm giving her age out over the, <laughs> over the air. But um, I, we did 250 and I think it was less than $200 a year. I mean, but remember, they actually sent us a check back after they underwrote her because she came back as like Superman status. <laughs> but um, that, that it's important that you you take care of your family with the life insurance. But Adam, thank you for the email. And you're probably not you're gonna be shocked to find out you got a response so quick after your original um, email. But your timing could not have been better since I just did that went through this whole scenario myself. Um, how much time are we in this thing? Let's see. Okay, we're 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 okay. I'm I'm probably not gonna get to that article, but that that's okay. Um, I want to talk about flexible spending accounts because this is something that's been on my mind for a few months, and I just keep forgetting to talk about it to you guys. Is that I love my flexible spending accounts. Let's talk about the, all the things that the flexible spending accounts have done for me. Is that I've gotten LASIK surgery. By the way, the bomb. If you've been a person that's been in contact since high school and very stable eyesight. Um, you get LASIK, and I, I had it. I mean, did I have it when you came on, Bo? I mean, I you think had I, it before I came okay, on. I think I'm going on three years with, since my LASIK surgery, and I felt like I had to hurry up and get it because, you know, once you get in your 40s, the doctors will tell you your eyes start going bad in a different way, and you need the reading glasses. So I was like, I better hurry up and get this LASIK surgery before my eyes just go, start going batty anyway. So I have loved it. Nothing better than going to a water park around Disney World or someplace else and having not worry about your contacts being knocked out or go on a whitewater rafting trip with family and friends not being able to worry about your your contacts falling out. You know, you go, uh, I'll tell you, play video games. We with your kids, and you know, and you're concentrating in your eyes. You're trying not to blink too much. And with contacts, I mean, my eyes used to drive me crazy. And everybody who's out there who has kids and you play, you know, Mario Kart and you're trying to focus, you know what I'm talking about. You get LASIK, that goes away. So I, um, F, flexible spending accounts have gotten me LASIK. Flexible spending accounts have um, hooked me up with, I have, Allergies, you know, we're down here in Georgia. I don't think anybody in Georgia does not have allergies during the spring and the fall. Um, it's been great to be able to go buy my Claritin or Allegra, um, you know, or, or you know anything that I'm using for my allergies. Indigestion, you know, when I go eat something inappropriately, um, you know, like a good foot-long chili dog or something like that. It's nice to have my, my Tums and other things. Well, guess what? These things are changing. There's some big things. Our um, government has decided that, you know, part of this health care reform is they were going to update the flexible spending account. So let me break this to you because I first got a letter from my flexible spending account provider. It says, Mr. Preston, important changes to your unreimbursed medical expense account. By now, most everyone is aware of the recent passage of the health care reform law. Um, and they, they have it quoted out as Affordable Care Act. Included in the law are some new requirements that will affect your unreimbursed medical expense account. Below is an overview of these requirements and when the changes will be implemented. So, and it goes on, it says, over-the-counter drugs and medicines, effective January 1st, 2011. Now, remember, this is my policy. So, I'm kind of like a perfect case study of all these things because I've got life insurance going on in my life. I've got these flexible spending accounts. And, of course, I had the car situation going on. So, this is, this is you ever wonder where shows come from? Life is what brings us these shows. But let me get back. It says, effective January 1st, 2011, in order to be reimbursed, for over-the-counter drugs and medicines purchased on or after this date, the participant must provide a medical practitioner's prescription for the items. Uh, American Fidelity will require a new prescription be submitted as we will no, not be able to use any information that may have been previously provided. 
Doctor's statements will no longer be accepted. The prescription must be legible and will be valid for one year from the date of issue. It must include the same information as required for a drug or medicine that is available by prescription only. This normally includes the name and address of the patient, the name and quantity of the drug prescribed, and directions for use, the date of issue, the names, address, and phone number of the prescriber, his or her license classification is, and his or her federal registry number, for a description of the condition for which the drug is being prescribed, the signature of the medical practitioner. I read that quicker on purpose because I want to show you how dizzy this stuff is. Did you? That was six things. That you, so let me ask you, because I have a list of the items affected. Tums, you know, item acid controller. How many of you are actually going to go to your doctor and say, I need some Tums? Can you issue me a prescription for some Tums? Nope. How about allergy and sinus? Hey, you know, I know my doctor. Alan, Dr. Allen. Hey, can you get me, um, I need some over-the-counter Claritin. Can you, can you hook me up with that? I mean, th- I'm going to go in and pay the copay so he can write me an over-the-counter drug. I mean... It just doesn't pass the common sense. Antibiotic products, antidiarrheals, you know, so your Imodium, no longer going to be part of the flexible spending account. Anti-gas, you can make jokes, but it's just not appropriate. Anti-itch and insect bite. Anti-parasitic treatments, I guess you get, you know, lice. Can't do the over-counter treatments anymore. I don't know. But baby rash ointments and creams, no longer covered. Who doesn't want to take care of baby diaper rash? You know, cold sore remedies, cold, cough, and flu, digestive aids, feminine antifungal, anti-itch, hemorrhoidal preps, laxatives, motion sickness, pain relief, respiratory treatments, sleep aids and sedatives, and stomach remedies. So these things are all going to be impacted. And I think I just want to draw your attention to it because you, when you set up, we're getting close to the end of the year where you're going to have to change how much you have withheld for your flexible spending accounts Take into account that a lot of your prescription drugs, I mean non-prescription, your over-the-counter, I should say, OTC, is no longer going to be available to you unless you go pay a copay and then get your doctor to um, you know, write you a prescription for Tylenol or aspirin. So these are the things I just want to draw your attention. And then get, get ready because in 2013, another big change just happens on these flexible spendings where right now there's not really a cap on them, but most employers cap them off at $5,000 a year. Well, they're going to actually cap them off at $2,500 starting in 2013. So your LASIK surgeries and other things like that might be um, restricted uh, when, when you go for something like that. So just take into account these things. You need to know what's going on. My editorial comment is I don't understand. I think choice and freedom and flexibility is a great, great thing. You know, that's what is going to probably help us out with the medical um, if you want to talk about reform for medical, I think putting more on you to make the decision and pay for it personally so you can go out there and shop and be a better consumer is probably what's going to help fix some of these things. So to restrict that type of stuff and the health, you know, health savings accounts, these flexible spending accounts, probably not heading down the right street. But um, there's people in Washington that obviously feel that they know more than we do, so we're, we're going to just trust their dr- judgment on that. Um, but that's really the big things, Bo. Anything else you want to show in since um, obviously you're inspiring? Hang on. Let me, let me read that PS one more time so I can make sure I get it right. Did great job on the show is, and is well and needs to continue to educate. So here, here's your, your driving words. Educate the younger generation on how to successfully build wealth. Do you have any words, a great educator of the young, on how to build self See, you would put me on the spot like that because I've got nothing. I'm drawing <laughs> blanks right now. <laughs> no. By the way, and I'm going to close out the show with this because we, we need to wind this up. But I will tell you, Bo and I were um, went to uh, we went to go 
going to ride in the new car because my wife let me borrow the car today um, since it will be her primary drive because I need to show everybody around the office what we got since they've you know, lived this miserable experience with me. I feel like the least I could do is we could all go to lunch um, to celebrate Bo's birthday, which is coming up this weekend, and, um, and show him the vehicle. But Bo, we were riding to get breakfast this morning, and he's like, oh, I just got an email, and it, or Facebook post. And it's somebody he's in class with that, you went know. To went to high school with. Uh, high school, yeah, right. high school. I don't know why I said class. But went to high school with, you know, of course went to MIT, which if you're from Georgia and go to MIT, you're doing something. Um, and that's not a cut on Georgia. It's just that, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, going up north to go to something like that. It's not like it's in, you know, the next town over. Um, but he has a, a person he went to high school. And were they a friend in high school? Yeah, they were a friend. Okay. They, um, they've now, like, gotten some huge award for creating some new technology that's going to revolutionize Africa. You know, it's basically powering stuff with a bicycle. And he was like, man. I want to do stuff like that. I was like, Bo, you're going to do it. You're going to be fine. And and I think reading emails like this, and as much as I trouble as I give you and pick on you, I do think, you know, that you're going to have your moment to make your mark. And you already are. I mean, go out there and look on iTunes, and you can see, that, you know, some of the positive comments you, you've already gotten. And that's probably a great segue and reminder. If you like what we're doing here, you know, go put us a comment out there on iTunes. That's what keeps us up in front of everybody. That's what keeps us on the front page because we're not a big corporation here. This is a, a guy, two guys and two microphones that, you know, we want to better the world, go beyond common sense, and, you know, and really help you tame the chaos of your financial life. Um, so that's what we're here for. I'm a financial planner on the south side of Atlanta, a fee-owing financial planner, a CPA, a CFP. If you like what we're doing, give us some positive feedback. Also, leave us some comments. I love it when there's discussion on the website. You can also sign up on the website for a free membership, which gives you a blast email every time we update content. So you can find out um, if you go in Friday and you go, where's the content? If you, if you, if you sign up as a free, and you know, you'll just know you'll get a, a contact, a touch from us whenever we do it. And then, because we are trying to be consistent, but I had some life things going on. Uh, but if you sign up for the premium, you actually get access to all of our archives as well. But thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. I always love getting emails from people, especially like Adam. Giving keep, it, keep them coming. Yeah, I mean, we this stuff really helps. We, you know, I know some of you. You write us like you know the well wishes on the car stuff. I wasn't able to talk about all of them on air, but I really do read every email that comes in, and I do appreciate all the contact, and, and, and you guys help drive the show as well. So thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in about, instead of two weeks, you'll probably get me in about a week and a half now since um, we're doing the show on a Tuesday. Thanks so much, and this is The Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy Podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. <laughs> <laughs>